Amen. Uh, I want to talk to you. Uh, what I was bringing up was there's been, have you noticed there's been this uh, almost like it feels like an ascension. That's the word I like to use. I don't want to use the word momentum, but for lack of a better word, it's been like an, an ascension in the move of God in the church over the last several weeks. Like there's this, there's this great anticipation for these things that, that God is going to do. And during one of the services, I think it was actually Pentecost Sunday, I read from Acts chapter 2 which was where the New Testament church was born. And it just so happened to be on Pentecost, uh, the celebration, the Feast of Pentecost. And that's when Jesus told his disciples, um, tarry here in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. I'm going to the Father. Where I'm going now, you can't come, but you'll come later. Um, but I'm going to send my promise upon you, the, the Holy Spirit, which is the Comforter, and he will lead you in all truth. Well, they knew the promise was, but they didn't know when he was going to come or what he was going to look like. But when he came, but when he came, everything about what we understood as God and man changed. Jesus is the Rosetta Stone by which we understand everything of the Old Testament. In fact, there's a lot of things that we think God said or did in the Old Testament. If you can't qualify it through the nature of Jesus, it probably is, it's probably at least at, at worst, or I mean at best mistranslated, and at worst twisted into making him something he never was. God didn't get saved when Jesus died on the cross and, and then changed his attitude towards us. He's always been for you. Jesus is the Rosetta Stone by which we see and understand everything that was. But not only that, by his spirit, he said in the book, he said, In that day I will write my laws in their heart. He wanted to make you his temple. The temple was no longer going to be a place where people came, but the temple was going to be the place where he dwelt. And he said, So where they, where they go, I go. Amen. He wanted to be able to, to, to be the indwelling God and not just this spirit that comes upon us with anointing, but the God that filled us so that, that he would change our nature so that we would understand first what his true nature was, which is always good. And then when we see him for who he really is, then we begin, we begin to see ourselves as we really are. You can't really love yourself until you know who you really are. Well, I know what I did. I didn't say that. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. I said you can't love yourself until you know who you truly are. And you can't know who you truly are until you know who he is. But once having gotten a glimpse that he's God, that he's this prodigal father. Prodigal means extravagant spender. This prodigal father that would, that would lavish everything from heaven to win me back. And once seeing me come. Remember the story of the prodigal son? Gosh, I'm, I'm, i got to hurry. When the prodigal son left, father didn't go chasing him. But the goodness of father did. Because because the Bible says, whew, because the Bible says when he was down in the pit and he was, had lost all of his money, he had spent it, as the King James says, on riotous living. And he had nothing left. That he found himself a Jewish boy. This was the story. This was, this was the crowd Jesus was speaking to. And the Bible says he fain would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine would eat. Not only was he hanging out with pigs, he was eating with pigs and eating the same food. And the Bible says, and he came to himself. He came to himself. Father was not in the mud with him, but the goodness of God was. It haunted him. It chased him. And he said he remembered the goodness of his father's house and how that even the servants in his father's house had plenty to eat and some to spare. And he said, I'm going to go back to my God. There's an anointing on this this morning. Don't have a thing to do with what I think I'm going to preach. But there's an anointing. I'm going back to my father's house because in my father's house, even the servants have so much to eat and they've got plenty to spare. How many knows that he's a God of abundance. He's a God of more than enough. If you've just been scraping by, you ain't quite in covenant yet. But if you could see about him who he really is, you would remember in my father's house. 
And the Bible says that the prodigal son, the extravagant spending son, having wasted everything, smelling like the, smelling like the stench of the, of the pigs that he was hanging out with and eating the food, he starts making his way back. And father didn't chase him, the goodness of father did. And the Bible says, and when he was still a far way off, somebody, somebody say when you still, he didn't have it figured out and he didn't have it all together. But when he was still a far way off, the Bible says father saw him. And the father said, that's my boy. That's my, and the father took off his porch and threw off his robe and began running. He didn't walk. He did. Oh my God. He didn't jog. He began sprinting. That's my boy. What? And the goodness of God and father chased down the prodigal son. And the Bible says he fell upon him. And he, the, the son had said when he was in the pit, he said, I, I know what I can do. And he meant it. And he had a repentant heart. I'm going to go to my father. And this is what I'm going to say. Father. I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. It's the sinner's prayer, you know. And I'm not worthy to be called your son. So all I want to do is I want, I, want to, I want to win your favor back. I want, I want to work for you. I know I can't be your son again, but just let me work for you. Really what he was saying, if you understood Hebraic custom and culture was, I want to earn back what I lost that you gave me. I should have backed up and said, when he said to the father, give me the portion of the inheritance that belongs to me, literally what he was saying was, I wish you was dead because you don't get an inheritance until father dies. On the way back, he's like, I was rehearsing. I just, I know that he's good. I'm just going to tell him I'm sorry. I've messed up. I've made a mess of my life. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the Bible says when the father saw him and he took down and he ran after him and he grabbed him and he embraced him and began kissing his day that the boy began to say, Father, I'm sorry. I've sinned. And the father interrupted that sinner's prayer and said, Hey, bring a new robe to my boy. He's come back home. Get a ring and bring it and put it on his finger. Bring some shoes from the house and for God's sake, kill the fatty calf. It's party time. Boy never had a chance to say the sinner's prayer because father was too busy welcoming him back into the family. There was no focus on sinner's prayer back then. That was the sinner's focus. But the father's focus was always about reconciliation and restoration and restitution. Go get, go get a robe and put it on his Back and get a ring and put it on his finger. What ring? The ring that when he stamps something with that ring, it says, Father says it's good and Father will take care of it. Bring that ring and put it on his hand. And bring my shoes because I'm about to give him a new walk. He's been walking with the swine and he's been walking in a mistaken identity thinking he had to earn something back. But put the shoes on him that when people see it, they know, oh, that's his son. That's the father's boy. Come on, somebody. Go kill the fatted calf. We're going to have steak. How do you want it cooked? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's obviously a joke because if you cook a well done steak to me, it's going out to Layla. <laughs> That's an indiscriminate eater right there, by the way. Layla, eat it all. You won't know who you are till you know who Father is. But once you know who the Father is, that's why Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, whether you know it or not, that's exactly what you do. If you have within yourself uh, a deficiency in understanding who you really are, then most of the time you will project that deficiency upon someone else, and it will keep you from loving them with pure and perfect love. 
It's true. It's true. If you are always self-conscious and you have this inferiority complex, then people can try to love you and you will assume everything that they're doing is to get you and it has really nothing to do with them. It has to do with your inferiority complex. And what Father really wants to do is go in and heal your perception of who He is, which will then heal your perception of who you are, and then you'll truly love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can't love your neighbor well until you love yourself well. That's a mouthful. We live in the most offended society in the history of the world. Why? Because we're the most self-absorbed society in the history of the world. And we, there is an onslaught and all-out attack against what God ordained as family. There's an attack against it. Well, you don't need a dad. You don't need a mom. You don't. Yeah, you do. You can like it or not like it. And I don't care what the guy in the White House or any other house says. It, whichever side of the, of the aisle they sit on, this was God ordained. And most of, the, most of the men that I have to counsel in life, there's something that happened that was broken with a relationship with their father. Doesn't mean the father was bad. I mean, God wasn't a bad father and Adam found, found himself broken. So I'm not blaming fathers, but I'm saying in this society, everybody's offended because they don't know who they are because it has always been the father's responsibility and job to set the nature of his children. And when a, when a father is missing... And, and I know many of you in this room right now have experienced this. Does it, I'm, not, I'm not speaking back. When a father's missing, then sometimes thank God for you mothers that step up and do everything you can. But it's not the same as if a father himself were to set the nature of a child and said, this is who you are and this is who you will be. And, and then help them become who they were set to be. We don't know who we are. So here's what Father said. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to show him my goodness. And I'm going to put my spirit inside of them so that they can see my goodness. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit would, what? He would put you in remembrance of the things that I have said to you. How many times did Jesus speak and the disciples were like, what? Like, what? And Peter was like, what? And John was like, what? And Jesus knew that he didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Because they were trying to understand a new covenant mindset from an old covenant. Because to them, everything was centered around the temple. And Jesus was trying to tell them, boys, you are the temple. And so he said, I'm going I'm to send my Holy Spirit. And what he'll do is literally what he said was, he'll shine a light on the things that I've said and bring revelation to my declaration. So that you can see what I'm saying. Amen. So, read the Bible. Read the scripture a few minutes. If you just give me a few more minutes. And, uh, and we'll see. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. You'll be proud of me. I'm reading from the King James today. They were all with one accord in one place. The worst joke in the history of man was, uh, what's the oldest car ever? Must have been a Honda because they were all in one accord. I don't know. There's another one that's likened to it. And it goes something like this. Did you know... That Jesus was banned from every jewelry store in Jerusalem. Did you know why? Because they were afraid he would break every chain. Robin begged me to say it. <laughs> she
she sent it to me with a laugh emojis and said, share Sunday, share Sunday. <laughs> and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, I love the word suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. This happened 2,000 years ago. This happened 20 minutes ago. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled how much of the house? Not just the platform, not just the preacher's chair, but it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. I know that there are some people that don't understand Christianese and they need to hear the gospel in their own language. And that's why God puts you out there so that you can say what God's done for you so that every man can hear in their own language what is the wonderful works of God. It's not just a shantata satire. Sometimes as a man, when I... You know, sometimes it's your, you, the most powerful thing about any human being is their own personal testimony. And when you go, the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to travel to other nations. But if your world happens to be at ASMO or Kiwani or in the school system or wherever it is, I don't even think there is an ASMO anymore. If that's your world, then go in there and let them hear your testimony. That's the most powerful thing that you have. The woman with the issue of blood would have been powerless if she went around telling the testimony of the man with the withered hand. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How is it that we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parth Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and all these other places. I don't need to name all of them. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What does this mean? Verse 13, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. Yes, Peter, that just about 50 some days ago looked at him and said, I don't know the man. I don't know him. Jesus had looked at, he said, he said, Jesus, I'll follow you even unto the death. I will go with you. They, I, there ain't a thing in the world that can make me turn from you. And Jesus said, boy, before the cock crows, three times you would deny even knowing me. And that's exactly what happened. But when Jesus rose from the dead and they saw him, he said, do me a favor. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Because God will always re-include anybody that you try to disinclude. But I ain't one to gossip, so you ain't heard that from me. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying, what does this mean? And they mocked. But Peter stands up with the eleven. He lift up his voice and said, you men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing that it is, it is but the third hour of the day. We ain't drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that. Today I want to talk to you for the few minutes that I have remaining on this. This is that. Somebody say, this is that. This is that that was spoken of by Joel the prophet, that in it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon some flesh. Oh, it says all flesh. I'm sorry. All means all. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and, and upon my handmaids. If you don't like women getting the Holy Spirit and women speaking in church, it's because you're confused. And some uh, misogynistic preacher told you the wrong news. It ain't the good news. The good news is there is therefore now neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Come on, somebody. If... 
If he can speak through a donkey and a chicken, surely he can use you and he can use a woman. And me. And, I, yeah, and upon my servants and handmaids, I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And they, not he, and not just the boys, but the boys and girls, they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood, saw it at the cross. And fire, saw it at the cross. And vapor of smoke, which really means a sweet-smelling incense, saw it at the cross. The, oh, my God. The sun shall be turned into darkness, saw it at the cross. And the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. This is that. Peter said, this is that. Peter is standing 2,000 years ago and said, this is that. This is the last days. This is what he was talking about. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear my words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in your midst, as you also yourselves know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and with wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Good God Almighty. For David speaketh concerning, saying, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand. The right hand speaks of the hand of the of the of the hand of authority, the seat of power, the seat of glory. I see the Lord, and he's seated in the seat of authority. He's seated in the place of power. Good God Almighty. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. Verse 28. You have made known to me the ways of life. You shall make me full of joy with your countenance. Good God Almighty. Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David. That... The one that spoke this. He's both dead and buried. And his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore being a prophet. And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him. That of the fruit of his loins. According to the flesh. He would raise up Christ. To sit on his throne. He seeing this before. Spake of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul was not left in hell. And yours won't be left there either. His soul was not left in hell. In the place of torment. And yours won't be either. Your mind and your will. And your emotions and your affections. Will not be left in a place of of torment but God raised him up whereof we are all witnesses therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the father the promise of the Holy Ghost we have shed forth this which you now see and hear for David is not yet ascended into the heavens but he saith himself the Lord said unto my Lord sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Repent doesn't mean say I'm sorry. Repent means turn away. And you can't turn away from something unless you turn to something. We always are focusing on telling people what they should turn from. But unless we give them something to turn to when they turn from it and they found nothing to turn to, they'll always turn back. I don't know why he went back into his old ways. Because you didn't show him a better way and you were so focused on what he was turning from instead of saying, there's a God that loves you and there's a father that wants you and there's a family that will receive you. you got to give people something to turn to, not just something to turn away from. I'm trying to hurry. 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Listen, for the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they gladly received his words and were baptized. And the same day they were added unto him about 3,000 souls. And most of us stop right there. And we preach, this is that which was spoken of by Joel. This is the manifestation that God was speaking of. Miracles and signs and wonders and old men dreaming dreams and young men seeing visions and the prophesying and the laying on of hands and the speaking to Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's all true, but we can't stop there. This is that, yes, but that wasn't all of it. Because Peter wasn't finished with his sermon yet. There's a whole lot more to this being filled with the Holy Spirit than a shook Messiah. Because if you shook a Messiah on Sunday with your brothers and on Monday you're cussing them out because they cut you off on the road, maybe what you felt in Sunday was more emotionalism than the Holy Spirit that brings change. Verse 42 is going to tell you a whole lot more of the this is that. And they continued steadfastly in the doctrine of the apostles and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. This is that. And fear came upon every soul. Fear, fear not, of, not, not, not afraid, but, but, in, but it, it literally means a respectful uh, uh, honoring all of the Lord and of the people. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And they all believed together. This is that. And they all had things in common. This is that. And they sold their possessions and goods. Oh, my God, this is a part of it, too. And part of them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house. And they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. What? Man, I thought the baptism of the Holy Spirit was about, you know, speaking in tongues and slapping my hands on people. And they fall out in the spirit and blow. Yep, that is it. But that ain't all of it. There's just as much Holy Spirit shared when you invite your brothers and sisters to your table and sit down and say, let's sit together. Let's commune together. Let's do life together. Let's, let's live in community. You're built for community. In the garden, I've said this before, I'll say it again. In the garden, before sin, sickness, the curse, or the serpent, the Bible says that God created everything and said it is good. And he created and said it is good. And finally, when he saw all that he created, he said, it is very good. Woo, that's awesome. And then one day, Father's taking a stroll in the garden, and he saw something before sin, sickness, serpent, or the curse, and said, and God saw it was not good for man to be alone. You separate that word alone, and do the entomology of the word. You separate the word alone, it's all one. You were not supposed to do everything all by yourself and live all by yourself and think you can run a church all by yourself or think you're supposed to do this family. All, no, no, no. God saw that that was not good. So he created us for community. So you're telling me when I invite my neighbor into my house and I feed him and nobody knows about it, and I didn't take a picture and put it on Facebook because I gave him gas money to get home. That was just as much of the, of the Holy Spirit as whenever I said, Shekam Ashai on Sunday. That's exactly what I'm telling you. In fact, I'm saying if you do one and you don't do the other, you're probably more about performance than power. 
And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. Who added to the church? His job to do that. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. This is that. I'm going to read some notes and then we'll get out of here. I'll get, just give me a few more minutes. I, I know it's after 12. It is a declaration that something that had been promised was now a reality. It was the manifestation of a long-awaited hope, not only the hope of the people, but the hope for God himself. The Bible calls, the Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not just your hope for glory. God's hope for glory is the manifestation of, of his nature in you. That's how he's glorified, when his nature is revealed and released from you. But, but if, did God not declare by way of the prophet Jeremiah? This is Jeremiah, by the way, chapter 31, 31, 32. That's right, the time is coming when I will make a brand new covenant with Israel and with Judah. It won't be a repeat of the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant even though I did my part as their master. God's decree, verse 33. This is the brand new covenant that I will make with Israel. This is that, the covenant that I will make with Israel. This is that that he's waiting for. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer go around setting up schools to teach each other about God. They'll know me firsthand. God Almighty. You don't have to have somebody say, this is what God does or that. Well, look, there ain't a human in this, in this building that need to sit down with Jacob or Abby or Isaac or David or Jason and Rachel after church and say, this is what your dad's like. They know what I'm like because they're my children. And the days are coming in the new covenant when we'll be so full of his spirit that we don't need to be taught about Father God because we walk and live and move and have our being in the presence of Father. I'm preaching better than you're responding. I always want to say that. I hear the old preachers say it. I don't know if it's true. I will put my law within them, write it in their hearts, and be their God, and they'll be my people. They'll not have to go around setting up schools to teach each other about God. They'll know me firsthand, the dull and the bright. Everybody's got hope. The smart and the slow. Somebody say everybody's got hope. The smart and the slow. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for you and me. <laughs> If you're the smart one, it tells you what you're saying about your neighbor. And if you, uh, they'll know me firsthand, the dull and the bright, the smart and the slow. I'll wipe the slate clean for every one of them. I'll forget that they ever sinned. Woo. This is, that was a declaration by Peter that the time for waiting for the fulfillment of prophecies had ended. No more waiting. Now is the time for the manifestation. This is that. I could have easily subtitled, this is that and that ain't it. That ain't it, boss. When you're speaking in tongues on Sunday, but you're yelling and cussing your family that afternoon, that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't it. That's not it. That's probably emotionalism. That's probably feeling the corporate anointing upon the house. And you get what she said this morning. You get the goose pimples. But you can't do that here and the other six days of the week, you know, you're cussing people out and you're mad and you're, and you're irritated and you're agitated and you're mean and you're ugly and you don't look anything like God and come in here and shook them a shine. You might, you might want to learn to sit down and shot, shook them a shine and learn how to be a good person. We always equate what happened with Acts 2 with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues and dreaming visions and, and or dreaming dreams of vision, prophesying laid on of hands, and all that's true, but that ain't all. We have majored on that and deemed that to be everything we should expect. But if we were to keep reading, 
If we'd scroll down, we'd see that uh, there's so much more to it. We're, listen to this. We're so event-oriented many times that we fail at life. Successful in the events, but no, not successful in life. I talk, the Lord spoke to me years ago, and it was about our church. He said, he said my church is so event-oriented. Man, we put on a convention, oh, what we call it, conference, convention, camp meeting, you name it. It all started with a C. But, you, man, it, they would be wonderful, awesome, just moves of God, wonderful times. And that would happen for about five days out of a 365-day year. And the majority of the three other 360 days, there wasn't a whole lot of fellowship. There wasn't a whole lot of communion. And there certainly wasn't a whole lot of healing going on. There was some, but not much. And the Lord said, that's because my people are, if we, like Bible school, and it's good. God's also event-oriented, but he's not only event-oriented. There's a reason there was a feast of Passover and a feast of Pentecost and a feast of Tabernacles. And you should celebrate those times. But if you are only good and you're only excited when there's these big events, then you're an event-oriented person instead of a lifestyle-oriented person. You shouldn't need an event to make you want to do something. That should be an overflow of your nature, which is to give and to want to be a part. We're so event-oriented that many times we do well in events, but we fail at life. We know how to have church, but many times do not live a regenerated life. What we will find out starting at verse, what is it, 42, is the baptism led to a lifestyle of community and self-sacrifice. Every believer was faithfully devoted to the following, this is verse 42, following of the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked one to another, sharing communion. Coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miracles. All, in fact, I would say probably the apostles being able to, afford, to perform many miracles were because they were in unity. The coming of the Spirit didn't even happen until they were with one mind, in one accord, and in one place. It's, a, it's amazing the power that comes in unity. Not uniformity. We mistake unity for uniformity. God doesn't want you all to look alike, act alike, sound alike, talk alike. Be your unique self. You, there's, there's a difference in unity and uniformity. He doesn't want a bunch of little robots going around. He wants you to be your unique self. You're not, not more powerful than when you, you're really who you really are. A deep sense of holy all swept. Out of generosity, they sold their assets and gave to the proceeds to those who were in need. Daily they met together in the temple. I could keep reading this. I'll skip this part. I don't need to read it again. Clearly we can see. That we've majored in the Western church specifically on doing church stuff, but not on being the called out ones. That's what the church is, or the ecclesia means. It literally means the called out ones. If you see a need and meet a need, that's as much a fruit of the Spirit as speaking in tongues. Rebecca, when you bring shoes or Tony, I, Tony probably has given away more. I didn't know Tony's given away more shoes than, than, than Nike. When, when you bring shoes and give shoes, that's just as much a fruit of the Spirit. Did you know giving is a fruit of the Spirit? And I ain't just talking about this. Giving's a fruit of the Spirit. It's just as much a fruit of the Spirit as, as shika la ba 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 sata ba ba or whatever it is that you say. Come tie my tie. You tie your own tie. I'm trying to get the Holy Spirit. If you see a need to meet, if you see a need to meet a need, this is, this is as much a fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of a regenerated heart is speaking in tongues. If we're willing to pray with them at church, but we won't break bread with them in our homes, that ain't it. That's what I said when he said that to me. I was like, oh, ouch. If we lay hands on them in service, but won't even recognize them when we see them out in public, that ain't it. Oh, these are good. There must come a paradigm shift in what we believe is the core function of the church. And it ain't church service. It's the life of the ecclesia. 
the called out ones. Now, I'm going to take a few minutes to prophesy to you a bit. Are we good with that? Some of you, like the believers in the early church, have been waiting on a promise. William, hit them keys for me. You're going to get out of here earlier than you normally have been. It's only 11-11. Central Standard Time. <clears throat> Some of you have been waiting like the believers in the early church were waiting on a promise from God. You probably had to turn that thing up up there. It won't work down here. Something you know that God told you or some word that you received. I said I'm going to prophesy because I am. Let me tell you something about prophecy that I had to learn the hard way. And many of you have learned the same thing. Receiving a prophetic word does not mean that what you received is automatically going to happen. I asked the Lord to tell me about prophetic words. Now, if Father himself speaks a word to you and said, this is what's going to happen, you can write it down. But when a man that walks either in the office of a prophet or just people in general prophesy what they feel the Spirit say to the Lord, here's what happens. Imagine there's a, imagine from here to the front road is, is or to the road up there is just a, a big forest of trees. What a, pro, what a prophetic word does is it cuts down the trees out of the way and creates a path so that you can get to where God wants you to go. But it does never force you to walk that road. So many times we've received prophetic words, but because we didn't walk that road, we get mad and say, well, he didn't know what he was talking about. He must be a false prophet. And you didn't do a thing. You laid around and ate your little Debbies and watched TV and thought it was going to happen. Or whatever it is you eat, you know. I like them. So. That's why they say little Debbie, little Debbie become Big Deborah. <laughs> she ate up too many of them. A prophetic word will cut a path. It'll remove the trees. It removes the obstacles. It says, look, this is what's possible. What a prophet can't make something happen. What a, what a prophet or a prophetic person does is he can see what is possible, and then they'll speak what's possible and begin to create a path. Because if you can see it, then you can have it. But you got to walk the road to get there. It ain't the prophet's job to grab you by the hand and say, no, let's walk this way. Let's walk this way. No, no, no. If it's, if it's prophesied, here it is. This is a road, and if you'll walk it, you can get there. I had a man at our church years ago that prophesied to me, God says not one but three albums, and they'll go around the world. Well, I've only ever cut, I, that was from that time till now, I've done one. Is it, my, is it fair for me to get mad at that prophet and say he missed God when I haven't cut two more records yet? That's not the prophet's fault. I didn't do my part of it. Look, the Holy Spirit is not, the prophet's not going to make you do something, and the Holy Spirit won't make you. He's looking for someone he can co-join with, co-labor with, partner with. There's a good book. You should read it if you don't have it. Bill Johnson wrote it. It's called Dreaming with God. And it talks about our partnership with him. But I want to prophesy to you. So I'm going to cut a path that you can walk if you want to. And if you don't, don't come blame me. That's your problem and your laziness, not my problem. Somebody's going to tell you the truth. If somebody doesn't tell you the truth, you're going to get mad at people you shouldn't be mad at because you didn't know the, all the facts. But for somebody in here, God has given you a word, and so far it has not come to pass. Some of you have long awaited for prophecies and dreams to manifest. And I declare this year, 2021, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will find yourself saying, this is that. You're going to turn around and say, I'm living in the thing that I believed for. I'm walking in the promise that was made to me. This is that. The, the thing that I thought wouldn't come to pass and the thing that the enemy tried to derail. I'm going to turn around and say, wait a minute, I'm walking it. This is that. 
Some of you are going to walk into a new home that you've believed in God for. And when you get there, you're going to turn around and say, this is that. Some of you are going to find new employment that you've been long awaiting for with a better salary. And you're going to get your first paycheck and say, this is that. Somebody that has dreamed of a new business is going to find yourself thriving in that business. And you'll remember the words of God and say, this is that. Some of you Ruths in here have been begging God for a Boaz and you didn't know it, but God's going to bring you right up to him. And you're going to look in those beautiful eyes and say, this is that. Somebody there's some jobs in here and it feels like everything that you've ever had in life has been stolen away and stripped away but god is about to give you double for your trouble and when he gives it to you you'll say this is that am i talking to anybody this morning there's some josephs in here and you wear a coat of many colors and your brothers got jealous because you were favored and they sold you into slavery and you didn't know that on the way to the palace, you were going to have to pass through a pit. But if you're faithful in the pit, God will take you to the palace. And when you get to the palace, you'll remember when Father gave you the code in the first place. And the favor on your life will save you and save them that betrayed you. And you'll say, this is that. There's some Marys in here that think that you're just a nobody and you're just going about doing your own thing but you're a good person and an angel's going to come to you and say Mary you're blessed and highly favored it wasn't the angel telling her that made her blessed and highly favored his declaration made her aware of a truth that was already there but she hadn't heard it yet and there's a Mary in here that's going to hear the father say you're blessed and highly favored and the Holy Spirit is going to impregnate you with something that will change your life and you'll say this is that there's some Davids in here and you've been faithful and nobody was watching and you've had your own private battles when nobody was watching and you've cared about sheep that maybe weren't even your own sheep they might have been daddy's sheep but you wanted to honor his legacy so you took care of him in his stead but God is about to set you up with a Goliath not because he, you can defeat him but because everybody in, in Israel needs to see what you can do and when you defeat him and you're sitting in the palace, you'll say, this is that. When that prophet Samuel came and poured that hot holy oil from his horn on my head and said, I've chosen from among David's or Jesse's sons a man after my own. You'll remember and say, this is that. Some of you have been sick so long that you're sick from being sick. And you've prayed and you've gotten the prayer lines and the prayer group and the prayer chain and the prayer tower. And you sent the pop-off guy on TV some money to get you the anointed water that ain't worth a flip. Certainly don't drink it, but it ain't going to heal you. And you've wondered, God, is it ever going to happen? In this year, you're going to receive the goodness of God and say, he always wanted me to be helped. God does not teach you by sickness. The Bible is clear. He teaches by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean you can't learn a lesson, but God has never, you heard Mafuji say it last week, Pastor Mafuji, God has never inflicted you with sickness so you could learn something. That is hogwash, and that's poor theology. What he does is he may, things that happen to you, he will use that to teach you, and he'll bring you out of it. But God's will is for you to live, and Jesus said the enemy comes for three things, that he can steal and kill and to destroy. But I've come for one thing, that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And when you get there, you'll say, this is that. Somebody stand up on your feet with me. I'm done. Get up on your feet with me. Get up on your feet with me. 
You've been waiting and believing and dreaming. Come on, praise team. Get on the stage with me. And hoping and praying and believing and hoping and praying and believing. And it's been disappointment after disappointment and waiting a little longer. And it still hasn't happened. And it still hasn't happened. But you're coming upon a season where you're going to look to the left and say, this is that. And you're going to look to the right and say, this is that. And you're going to be blessed in the city and say, this is that. You'll be blessed in the field and say, this is that. Is anybody else in here ready for the Holy Spirit to do what he's always wanted to do? And you're going to partner with him and let him do it? This is that which was spoken of by Joel the prophet that upon in the last days I will pour of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and I'm going to bring some Boazes uh, to, to some of my babies that's been longing for a husband. I'm going to bring some of my boys that spent time in a pit to a palace. I'm going to take my Davids all the way up and not give him one but three crowns. God Almighty, I'm... I'm going to take Abraham, and I'm going to resurrect his dead, barren loins, and I'm going to resurrect Sarah's dead, barren womb, and I'm going to give them the promise when it couldn't happen, and they're going to look at Isaac and laugh and say, this is that that God promised me. I'm more excited than you are, because I know what I see. I see hope rising up in people's hearts again. I see you like the woman with the issue of blood that heard about the works of Jesus that had spent all of her, all of her money on doctors and couldn't be healed. And the Bible says that she said in her heart, if, if he'll do it for them, maybe he'll do it for me. If I can just find myself up at his feet, go ahead and sing it, Becky. If I can find myself at his feet, if I can get up under his under his robe and get there where the where the zitzits from the from the from the shawl of the priest are, where the anointing oil that was poured on his head and run down his beard, his garments, and puddle up around. If I can find myself there, I know that my issue will no longer be my issue because I touched the one who is the issue. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus is the issue that flowed out of the heart of the Father. When you touch that issue, you don't need any more tissues for your issues, because your issues will be gone. And you'll say, this is that. Father, in the name of Jesus, sing it, this is this. of contact I believe the spirit comes to where you are but if you want to come to the front now and say you know what I've heard it before I believed it before whatever I don't care what you've done before I want to give you hope for where you're going to walk into if you want to come into your, th this is that season into your this is that he said last week pursue overtake and without fail recover all you want to walk into a recover all season come up here at the front I'm going to pray with you and then I'll let you go home as they worship, as they sing, as they sing. 
you'll look and say, this is that. Receive the word. This is, this is what Jesus said. He gave a parable. I'm going to tell this little part now. You can go home. Jesus said a sower went forth to sow. A farmer went forth to sow. And I love the story because he's going to describe himself as the sower. And Jesus is an indiscriminate sower. He never one time judged whether or not the ground was worthy. He just sowed seed because he said some fell on good ground, some fell on thorny ground, some fell on stony ground. The good thing about Jesus was he didn't say, no, that's stony ground. I'm not giving them any. He gave seed indiscriminately to every type of ground. And this morning, I have done my best with the Holy Spirit to sow seed and to throw it out there. It's your job to, to begin to cultivate that seed. When you leave here tomorrow, you need to say, Lord, I'm walking into my this is that moment. I'm going to, and I'm not going to let the enemy rob me. Because that's what happens. Jesus tells a story. And some, and there were, some, some fell on dry ground. And the sun scorched it because it had no depth of earth. And it killed it. Some fell among stones. If you've got a stony heart, you can't receive anything. For whatever reason, most of the time it's things that happen to you and they never got corrected and so you get a hardened heart. If you've got that, don't blame the seed. It ain't the seed's problem. Cultivate that thing. Cultivate your ground so that it can receive the seed because it will bring forth good fruit. Good seed sown into good soil with sunlight and water with the revelation of Jesus and the Spirit. That sunlight and water will always bring forth good fruit. 
So as you leave this place, every single human under the sound of my voice can walk into a this is that moment, a this is that season where everything changed, where that suddenly happens, that epiphany comes, that epoch happens, that kairos moment, the, chi- the heavenly time overwhelms chronos, our earthly time. But it's your job to cultivate that. Here's how you cultivate it. You stay in this, stay in this flow, stay in this word. Tell you, anytime the enemy comes, look, it's one thing for a bird to land on your head, but don't let it build a nest there. A doubt comes to everybody, but it can't live there. Throw that thing off and say, no, 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 you're not going to live in my brain. You're not going to live in my head rent-free. You're not going to remind me of when it didn't happen. I'm going to tell you about the times that it did. One good way to get yourself into the next level in the kingdom is to be thankful for the previous one. When the enemy comes and says, well, this happened, that happened, that happened, I would say, but this also happened, and God did this, and he was faithful there, and he was faithful here. And as you begin to build that atmosphere, you cultivate an atmosphere of thankfulness, what happens is, boom, there springs up a blessing, and boom, there springs up a blessing, and here comes another, and you can't contain it. The atmosphere of thankfulness, the atmosphere of gratitude will always cause a cultivation of another blessing. It's a garden that won't stop growing. So the, and the enemy's going to come. He's going to come. And the bird will come and land on your head. For some of you, probably, you'll <laughs> probably poop on your head. But wipe that mess off. Don't let him build a nest there. You don't have to let him live there. That's where we mess up. The bird lands instead of just getting us. No, I, I won't receive that word from you, enemy. You're not going to tell me I'm worthless. You're not going to tell me this ain't going to happen. You're not going to tell me I'm not going to be blessed. I'm blessed in the city, and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. I'm blessed when the enemy become, Even in the Old Testament, there was a prophet was a, uh, that stood on a, that was paid literally just to try to curse God's people. And he went up on the top of a mountain. He looked down on the, God's people and said, man, how can I curse what God has blessed? And the false prophet began to bless God's people. You can't curse what God has blessed. Right now, I bless everybody in this place under the sound of my voice. Not because I am special, but because you're special. I bless everybody under the sound of my voice. If there's ever been glory in this place, if there's ever been power in this place, if there's ever been anointing to change anything in this place, I bless everyone, Father. Let them cultivate this seed and walk into their this is that moment. In Jesus' name, sing it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You can worship. You can go. You can do whatever it is you want to do.